Hi, I'm Kyle Harmon. I'm the worship pastor here. And what we would like to do today is have a little bit of relational time. What we do is we go grab some coffee, grab some donuts. I'm going to give you like, I've said this, five, not Pentecostal minutes, Presbyterian, Covenanter, maybe, you know, Swedish, Swedish minutes, German minutes. The train will leave you behind minutes. Um, so here's your question. You're going to, to ask people this today. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Okay, go, go. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> like I said, good morning. I'm Kyle Harmon. I'm your worship pastor. I'm honored to be with you this morning, and I am preaching this morning on what's called the spirit of criticism. So take a listen. Here we go. So part of why I wanted to play that song, John Mayer, My Stupid Mouth. Who knows that song? Do you know what I was playing it? Yeah, a couple people? Yeah. The second Austin, Pastor Austin, told me, oh, we're going to be preaching a sermon series called My Big Fat Mouth, as you see up there. It was like, yep, that's the song. It was stuck in my head. I could not get it out of my head. I had to play it. But part of why I wanted to play that is because that that song, My Stupid Mouth or My Big Fat Mouth, could actually be like my autobiography from ages 3 to 30. <laughs> like, I have put my foot in my mouth more times than I can count. And there's all these famous stories in my family um, about things that I've said, and not just my family. So there's people, my, my relatives are like, oh yeah, there they are. They know it. And if you know me well, you have a good story, I'm sure, about me putting my, my foot in my mouth. So, But one of them in particular, I was four years old, and my parents, uh, they, my sister and I got in this huge argument. So my parents, they sent us to our room and they said, hey, go to your room. You know, we'll come get you in a little bit. And... Um, we had just watched a movie, let's throw this up there, Heather, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. You remember this movie with Kevin Costner? Yeah, yeah, not great, but <laughs> I loved it as a kid. And there was this character in it, um, who knows Severus Snape? Yes? Woo! Harry Potter. This is Alan Rickman, right? And amazing. God bless him. Rest in peace. But he has this line from it where he, he, you know, he's the evil guy and he goes, and cancel Christmas, right? He cancels Christmas for the whole town and it's this big thing. My parents send me to the top of the stairs. I'm four years old. Uh, I can barely say, you know, a few things. And I get to the top of the stairs and I go, and cancel Christmas. (laughs) And my parents are, they're laughing. They're dying laughing, but they can't, right? You can't laugh because it's not funny in the moment. You're like, get get to your room. Go now. And they send us to our room and they just start laughing, right? So those of you who have known me, like I said, for a long time, have some great stories about when I put my foot in my mouth or said something that embarrassed you or just said the thing that nobody else would say. But that's part of me, right? That's who I am. I have this big fat mouth and I've accepted it. That's how God made me and God loves me. Okay, but now, okay, as a parent, I will tell you that I totally know now that feeling of your kids using your words against you. Oh no, right? Come on, parents, that's the worst. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Parents, have your kids used your words against you yet? Oh, it's brutal, right? So the other day, I was coming home from the gym and it was leg day. Oh, right? I could barely walk down the stairs, right? I get I get in the house, and Joanna is putting the laundry away, and she's like, oh, Kyle, here, you can help. And she, like, throws me some towels. And one of the towels, you know, Joanna's got a great arm. Babe, you got a great arm. But she had a, this was a bad throw. And she put it at my feet. And I look down, and I'm just like, oh, no. Oh, there's no way. <laughs> I cannot pick that towel up, these legs. And so I look down, and I look just to the right, and there's my beautiful daughter, Addie. Um, and I just, Addie's sitting there and, and, um, she's about three and a half. She's going to be four in January. And Addie is, she's wonderful. She's so ahead of the curve for her, her age. 
so, but she's just getting to that age where she can do like helpful things. You know what I mean? Where she's, she's like, oh, Addie can actually help me. And I'm like, oh, she could pick up this towel. And I saw this, I saw this graph uh, the other day on Instagram and there was like your kid, like one side, right? That was like your kid's ability to help you, right? The baby. Um, the Neely baby's in the back. If you haven't met her, go meet her. Josie Elizabeth, she's incredibly cute. Woo, let's give him a hand. Let's go, Pastor Neely. Love you guys. But that baby can't do anything. <laughs> God bless her. We love her. She's down here, right? And then you got you. You know, you get to be an adult. And you're up here. Well, then there's this other side of this graph, and it's like your child's desire to help you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, they're like this, right? This is an opposing graph. And it's like, they hit 13. You know what I'm talking about. And they just drop, that desire is just, it's gone. They don't want to help you at all, right? So Addie's, but Addie's like, she's up here. She, she, she can help me a little bit, but she also, you know, she wants to help me still. So I'm like, oh, Addie, can you pick up that towel for me, babe? And she looks at me and, uh, she gives me this look. Which is her like, I'm going to make a joke look. And she gives me this look and she goes, Daddy, I really want you to try and pick up the towel, please. <laughs> Which is exactly what I would have said to her. <laughs> if she would have said no. And I'm like, Addie, this is not the time. Okay, so I was like, no, she used my words against me. And I, my, she's my daughter. She has the same big fat mouth that I have. And Lord Jesus, it's going to get her in trouble. I know it. But as Pastor Austin said last week, just to make this a little bit serious, the Bible says that our words have two results, life or death. And that sounds, wow, that sounds intense, right? But if we open our Bibles to Ephesians 4, that's the passage we're going to preach on and, and hear about this morning. Um, and Ephesians 4.29 says this. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And, and this, is a, this is a nice passage, right? It's, it's about the unity of the church. Paul is talking to the, the church in Ephesus, and he's, he's calling them to unity together, right? And what happens is, I think a lot of people misread this verse, and they say, oh, unwholesome talk. No unwholesome talk, right? I, I heard that talk as a kid, to be like, oh, no cussing, don't cuss. Paul says no unwholesome talk, so don't cuss. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's true, right? But there's also a lot of coarse words in the Bible. Don't read the Psalms if you if you don't want to read some tough stuff, right? Don't read the prophets. Don't look at what Jesus says to the Pharisees. You whitewashed tombs filled with dead men's bones. Woo! Okay, I'm not going to translate that. You see, this passage is about way more than just what we say, right? Our words have the power to speak life or death over people. So this passage, it's about what we say, but it's also about when we say it and the spirit behind it. Okay? What we say, when we say it, and the spirit behind it. So this passage, I'm talking about the spirit of criticism. And there's a difference between those words that you say and the spirit behind what you say. And I I was telling my people from the South today, I was so glad that they were here. Because for those of you from the South, I'm looking at you, you know that there's some words, right, that don't sound mean. She's saying them. I heard it. What are they? What are they? They don't sound mean. Bless your heart. Oh, man, right? Bless his heart. Bless her heart. Now, I don't ever want somebody to say, bless your heart about me in the South. Because, you know, if there's some nice, sweet, old Southern church lady saying that about you, she doesn't want to bless anything about you. Mm -mm. No, not your socks. She does not want to bless you. 
the seat. You, but you, you could probably find, bless your heart, like it's probably in a Hobby Lobby somewhere next to the live, laugh, love section on the plaque, right? So, but, but the spirit behind that is a spirit of criticism. It's, it's about tearing people down, right? And I'm, not just the Southerners, I love y'all. We do this here up here too, for sure. We have our own little ways, our, our passive aggressive Northwesterner. Have a good one. Yeah, that's right. That, did you really, you know, yeah. How you doing? Good. Yeah, good what? Right. Thanks, Rebecca. That's a, that's the Northwest one. And the, so it's the spirit behind what we say. And the Bible doesn't mince words when it talks about the, the words we use, the speech and the spirit behind it. In Matthew 12, 36 to 37, it's, Jesus says this to this crowd of people. He says, but I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Whoo! Okay. If that doesn't scare you, that scares me, right? That scares me. That does not surprise me. Like I said, that every time Pastor Austin gives out the uh, the preaching assignments, it cracks me up because it's always like, oh yeah, that's, yeah, humility, cool, that's me, yeah. Oh, criticism, oh, my wife will love that. That's great. She's like, yep, that's you. Yeah, because... Because it, I, I'm not just saying this is this is just our problem or our culture's problem. This is a church problem. This is a problem in the church, and this is a problem I have too. And usually, when somebody says in the church, "Hey, let's let's pray for that person," right, or let's or bless his heart, like really, it's just an excuse to tear that person down for the next 15 minutes, to air all of our grievances about them, to complain about them, to never take those to that person, and then maybe we pray for him. Right? And I'm not talking to the women. I'm talking to the men too. This is a, this is a people issue. We do this church. Our words have the power to speak life over people or death over people. And even a careless word or a small joke can be speaking death over someone. That sounds, that sounds crazy. You're like, ah, death? I mean, that's too far, Kyle. But let me just give you, I'm gonna give you an example in my own life. So let me tell you something. I grew up as, uh, uh, um, I'll just, I'm not going to mince words. I grew up as a fat kid <laughs> in Colorado. I mean, I was part of the fat family. They're watching right now. I love them. We are, as God made us, I love you. And, yeah, I do. And uh, and let me just say, I don't usually have a soapbox, but today I actually have a soapbox. So I'm going to get up on the soapbox and talk about this. Because Colorado is a very thin state. They're proud of being thin. They're like, oh, we're so thin. We're, we're closer to God because we're thin. And, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> they think exactly how they act. And now I don't care. I don't care how many diets I do. I don't care how many times I play Ultimate Frisbee or go work out. I've worked, I worked out of the gym four times this week. I played Ultimate Frisbee three times. So if that's three 5Ks and four, four gym workouts, you come work out with me. I'm going to watch you puke and then we'll keep going. But all I'm saying is, I'm, this is what I look like. This is how good I'm going to look. <laughs> I'm not, I, my wife doesn't ever work out. She has a six pack. It's not fair. Right? But I'm, I'm 36 years old, and I'm finally happy with how I look. Finally. And do you know how many people joked around with me about my weight when I was a kid? How many people? So many that I, I literally hated myself. So many that I, I couldn't look in a mirror for like 15 years. I just look at the ground, every mirror I passed. So many people joked around about my my appearance that I had an eating disorder. I just stopped eating breakfast and lunch, and I worked out all day. 
I ate like 600 calories a day. It almost destroyed my health, right? So many that I still, I still will ask my wife after 14 years of marriage, babe, do you, do you find me attractive? Like, speaking death over people, right? It changes the way that we view ourselves and that we view other people, right? In a negative light. So even our, our words, even our jokes have the power to speak life over people or speak death over people. So let me ask you, where, right now I said some stuff, right? Some examples. Where are you, where are you, where are you hearing that? Oh my gosh, I might be speaking death or destruction over this person. Who's God bringing to your mind? Where are you partnering with that spirit of criticism? Maybe there's somebody in this room that you need to repent to. Oh my gosh, when I was writing this sermon, my, I talked to my dad for like an hour and a half. I love my dad, and he and I just, iron sharpens iron. I love to talk to him about this sort of stuff. And we both, after that call, we went, and we, we worked, and he did some stuff. And then he called me the next day, and I called him the next day, and we said, Oh my gosh, you know who God brought to my mind? And he was like, Me too! I have to pray for this person that I hate. And I'm like, I know, Dad. <laughs> Me too! But that's what it is, right? And in, in, in Ephesians 4, in verse 26, it says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give the devil a foothold. Hmm. See, when we don't resolve our conflicts, and we don't go to one another, and we go to each other's, behind each other's backs, and we bless your heart and criticize and those sorts of things, right? We are playing right into the enemy's hand. The, the devil only ever has one strategy, right? And that strategy is always the same. Divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. The enemy comes after us every time. And any chance he gets to try to divide a relationship and then conquer that, he does. So, every time we partner with the spirit, with that criticism, the spirit of criticism, we are giving the devil a foothold to destroy a relationship. We're giving the devil a foothold to destroy a family unit, a relationship in that family unit. We're giving the devil a foothold to destroy a community. And I've seen, I've seen this personally. I've seen a careless word lead to how I think about that person, how another person thinks about that person, and that over time grows into a bigger thing. And then finally, they can't even have a relationship together, right? Now, I'd love to say that I'm, I'm great at this. <laughs> and I never criticize people, but like I said, that's just not true. We all do this. But part of how we stop partnering with that spirit of criticism, right? How, how we stop partnering with that spirit of criticism is that we know who we are and whose we are. Our identity is about knowing who we are and whose we are. So many times people, you know, hurt, we hear that phrase, hurt people, hurt people, right? Where a hurt person is out there hurting other people. They don't know who they are. They don't know that God is their loving father that cares about them so deeply and they don't, they don't live into that place. So, and myself included. I was taking a class recently, uh, called Vocational Excellence. So I'm now I'm vocationally excellent. Thank you. <laughs> Officially, they gave, I passed the class. So that's how it is. But, um, part of this, in, in this class, they, they gave us this acronym of, acronym of HALT. And it's H, hungry, A, angry, L, lonely, and T, tired. HALT. And I didn't give this. Sorry, Heather doesn't have this. But, 
every time, almost every time that I find myself stepping out of this like negative place and partnering with that spirit, I'm in one of those places, right? I'm hungry. I'm angry. I'm lonely. I'm tired. Just this weekend, I woke up on Saturday and Joanna, man, she had all the energy I have ever seen her have in the world. She was like, we are conquering this day. We're berry picking. We're wine tasting. We're doing, I'm like, babe, I'm tired. And what did I do? I started to criticize her. I started to say, oh, I think you're doing this, and oh, can you stop doing this, and blah, 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 and just pick her apart, right? Oh, I had to check, where, where's, where am I at? Where's my identity? Where, what am I living into? Am I living into who God's called me to be, who God says I am, or am I living out of this, this deficiency? This is a song that we sing that I absolutely love, and it's called Good, Good Father. And you've heard it, I'm sure. I would love to hear Adi sing it, I'm sure, in Romanian. But you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. Right? We love that song. At least I do. Some of you are like, I don't like that song, Kyle. <laughs> I'm still going to sing it. Some people in here love it. But it's so simple, right? It's so simple. God is our good, good father. And we are loved by God. It's so simple. And yet, if we live into that, we're going to live into that identity and out of that, that whole place. There's this idea that, that you can love people in your, in your deficiency, right, in this place, but, but the love that God has for you, that is the same love that you love other people. It's the same well. If that, if that well is not full, if you don't love yourself, how are you going to love your neighbor? How are you going to do that, right? And so I, my wife and I, we always put our daughters to sleep with songs. And they get to pick their songs. And Addie's, like I said, she's like four now, so she tries to pick like nine million songs. One more song, one more song, one more song. Don't go. <laughs> but um, Emma is just getting to this place where she can talk. And it's so cute. She has little sentences. Uh, yeah, she, the other day, she, what is it? Uh, go away, bee. That's her favorite sentence <laughs> to the bees outside. Go away, bee. Um, so I asked Emma, I said, Emma, the other day, I said, Emma, what song do you want me to sing? What song do you want Dada to sing? And she said, Good, Good Father. And I was like, what was that? I couldn't figure it out. And then I thought about it. I was like, oh, it's Good, Good Father. Yes, let's sing it. And she said, up. So I held her, and I put her on my, I put her right there like that. Woo, sorry. <laughs> and I started to sing, you're a good, good father. And like I said, she just started talking, and she started to sing it on my shoulder. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. Mm. Now, I don't know about y'all, but the thing I want more than anything in the world is for my babies to know who they are and whose they are. That they are loved beyond measure by their heavenly father, by God, and by their earthly father and mother and family too. Emma Carolee, you are a daughter of the King, Jesus. That is your identity. Every day I hope to say that to you, to proclaim that to you. So I'm going to try my best as their earthly father to speak those words of life over them. And not words of death. Like I said, I have a big mouth, right? It's gotten me into a lot of trouble. When I partner with the Holy Spirit, what God does is God uses this big mouth to empower other people, to lift people up, to advocate for the disenfranchised, to speak truth to power, say that word somebody else wouldn't say. Man, God tells me to say that word sometimes. Mm, that's rough. That's not a fun job. But 
when I'm partnering with God's spirit, then God uses this mouth to actually speak and give me privileges like this to edify his church. What an honor, right? So let me tell you about another story where somebody else in the Bible has a bit of a big mouth. And in 2 Samuel, the prophet Nathan, he walks into the throne room of King David. I like this picture because David, usually David's like always like super great looking. David doesn't look very, <laughs> David's got a rough look. David's having a rough day, right? And, you know, he's sitting in the throne there. But really, David has, David has committed atrocities against God and man, right? He has stolen Uriah's wife. He has, by all accounts, that's Bathsheba, raped her. He's killed Uriah by sending him to the front lines. Like, this, this is the guy who's supposed to be leading God's people. God calls him a man after God's own heart. Okay, well, God had to send Nathan to rebuke David. So Nathan walks into this, this courtroom of King David. And we read uh, something about Bible stories, I think, that we need to keep in mind is we read the story now and we know exactly what happened. We know the outcome. We know the whole story. So we're like, oh yeah, Nathan walked in there, told him the story, great story, awesome. No, think about this. Nathan is walking into the courtroom of the king. He is taking his life into his very hands. If he says the wrong thing, David can take his sword, cut his head off, and they'll drag his body out of the courtroom. That's totally fine. Not a word. He's the king, right? Man. So Nathan walks in there, and he tells him the story. And he says, he says uh, this to David. He says, um, he tells him the story about a rich man taking a poor man's only sheep. And stealing it from him. And David says, he says, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. And Nathan turns back to him and points at him and says, you are that man. Taking his life into his hands. Now to David's credit, being a man after God's own heart, he repents publicly. He has an incredible sign of humility. He follows God. But Nathan... You know, we don't hear a lot about Nathan after this. I don't know what happened to Nathan. He probably didn't die, but I don't think he was like loved in the kingdom, right? So, you see, God was actually directing Nathan to speak that word, to use that that mouth, and to partner with the Holy Spirit. And there's a difference, right? There's a difference in speaking a word of critique or a holy critique to your brother or sister. Right? The wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. And a holy critique is different from a critical spirit. So God might actually have that for you. It might not always be that kind word. It might be, hey, I love you enough to say this to you because I know you and I know who God's called you to be. That's tough. That's real. That's real friendship. Now, last week, Pastor Austin, he shared these beautiful letters that his dad used to write to people and how it changed their lives. It was amazing. If you haven't heard the sermon, please go back, take a listen. It was great. Now, I don't write letters. I, whew, I hate it. <laughs> I can't, I can't do it. My handwriting is terrible. People are always like, what were you trying to say in this letter? I'm like, let me just tell you. I'm just going to call you. Um, but, so God doesn't, doesn't have that for me. But some of you, Right? I'm, I'm that, I'm like that prophet. I'm like Nathan. I'm okay with that. But some of you here are that scribe. You are that person who could write that letter, right? You could speak transformation to people's lives and, and, and life over them instead of death. So how does God want to use you specifically? And who did God put on your heart? Like I said, my dad and I, we had different people put on our hearts just praying over this passage. Who's God putting on your heart right now? Let's just sit with that for a second and think. Who, who is in my mind? Who's God given me right now? 
What am I going to do? Am I going to write a letter to that person? Am I going to call them? Am I going to give them a holy critique? Am I going to repent to them because I've, I've actually been speaking behind their back? They behind their back. Is that what I want to do? Yeah. So how do we, how do we do this? Those are some examples. But first, it starts with prayer. These are steps of transformation. It always starts with prayer. Sounds easy, right? But so many times I feel like we think, I'm going to pray for that person. Or we say, you know, I'm going to pray for you. And how many times do we follow up and actually pray for that thing when we say, oh man, I will pray for that. So I forget. I don't do it sometimes, right? But it starts with, transformation starts with prayer because as you pray for people, God actually spiritually transforms the way that you see those people. And where you would just complain about that person before and talk behind their back and all those things, now you, you actually see that person differently. You see them through God's eyes, through God's grace. And all of a sudden you start to treat them differently. So, we have like two weeks to go in this sermon series. I believe that you can pick a person that God's put on your heart right now and start. Even if it's just praying, pray for that person every day. I'll be shocked. I'll be shocked if it doesn't change part of you and part of your relationship with that person. Pray for them every day. Start with that. Now, second, we have to practice disciplining our words. Okay? It's not going to just happen. Go ask the best athletes in the world. It does not happen. Right? You have to practice this. You have to practice this. And I actually have a, a story. One of my, my old boss at uh, Bellevue Presbyterian Church, Chris Martinson. Love Chris. Chris is in, he's in uh, Florida now. And we're going to play fantasy football against each other. Draft is next week. Get ready, Chris. But Chris, um, he, if he caught you saying a negative thing about a church or a person, he would do two things. One, with a church, he would say, okay, great. I hear that negative. Now tell me two positives about that church. And I'm like, well, I don't know any positives. I, I don't like that church. <laughs> he said, great. You have an hour to research that church and come back to me with two positives. And oh my gosh, there was a church around this area. It is called Mars Hill. And I could not stand Mars Hill. I'm sorry if you loved it. I couldn't stand it. But so he caught me saying something negative about Mars Hill Church. And he said, hey, I know we're not theologically on the same page with them. But now you can go tell me two good things about that church. And guess what? As I went and looked it up and prayed about it and thought about it, God said, man, that church does community a lot better than any church I've seen in this area. Hmm. I wonder if we could learn from them if I didn't just partner with the spirit of criticism and I actually partnered with the Holy Spirit who wants to unify and edify and bring us all together. So that's from my own life. The other thing that he would do, and I love this, is if, if you, if somebody, you could come to Chris one time and you could complain about a person. You could say, hey, I really, I'm, this is rough. And he'd hear you out. He'd say, okay, yeah, awesome. And if you came back to him and complained about the same person, he would say, did you go to that person? Did you talk to them? And uh, usually it's me. And I'd be like, well, no. And he's like, why are you talking to me? <laughs> you get one time with me. And then if you don't go to that person, I don't want to hear it. That was his rule. And I loved it. And that was his practice of how he disciplined himself with not gossiping, not talking behind people's back and edifying one another. And I love, I love that approach. So we have to practice this together. And lastly, we, ha- we got to discern where the Holy Spirit is leading us to speak and not to speak. This means we got to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, an intimate, personal relationship. That, that nudge, you know what I mean? Like, where you feel, oh, this is the moment. Or you feel, this is not the moment to speak up and say this thing. We've got to spend time in prayer and in God's word and with God's spirit sharpening that tool 
of connecting with the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you one time that I had to give this this word, um, and I have a really really good friend uh, who just moved up here from from uh, California, and he and I were so close in in freshman year at Vanguard University, and like all the time, like once a week we'd go down to the beach, we'd grab a shake from In and Out. Where my California people at? Yes, yes, amen, amen. Holy shake. We'd get a shake, <laughs> some fries, and we'd have that, and we'd sit and just stare at the beach in his truck. Well, the last week before school, he just said to me, we were there and we just pour out our hearts to each other. And he was pouring out his heart and he said, Kyle, I just, I feel like I've been grinding, trying to make friends, going, going, pushing, and nobody wants to be my friend. I've been reaching out to all these people and this is not happening and I just can't understand this. And I felt that, that pit in my stomach where the Holy Spirit said, oh, this is it. This is your turn, Kyle. And I went, oh, no, 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 not this. Because I knew it. I knew exactly what was happening. He was trying to be friends with the cool kids, the popular people, the pretty people, right? And they didn't want to be his friend. They didn't really want to be friends with anybody. They wanted to be cool. And so I said, okay, I'm going to do it. And I said, hey, buddy, listen, I love you. Those people don't want to be your friend. That's not what they want. You have so many people around you who love you, who care about you. And if you open your eyes, you're going to see those people. I promise. I love you. He put his shake down. Turned his car on. We drove back to the university in silence. And he did not speak to me for six weeks. A month and a half went by. Right? And that's that That's that Nathan thing. Right? It's like risking something. Man, that was going to cost me something. And there's, sometimes it has actually cost me relationships. But the relationship for me is not as important as what God wants to do in that person's life. Sometimes, right? Sometimes we don't get the reward. We don't get to be Joshua. We gotta be Moses. We don't get to step into the promised land, but we know that God has a promised land for that person, and that's what we're partnering with. We're partnering with that promised land. So, but, to my friend's credit, six weeks later, he called me in the middle of summer, and he said, hey, Kyle, how you doing? I was like, pretty good. Been a while. Uh, and he was like, hey, I just wanted to say, it's been six weeks. And all the people that I was complaining about, I haven't heard a single word, text, phone call, email, nothing from any of those people. And then all the people you said that loved me, they've been calling, they've been texting, they've been reaching out. And you were dead right, and I was wrong. And I love you, and I'm sorry. That's my best friend today, still. Just had a barbecue with him this weekend, right? That, the wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy, a holy critique that God gives you. But it could cost us. We have to be willing to have it cost us. And it doesn't always turn out that way, I'm telling you. That's a good story, but there's a lot of rough ones. Now, I don't share this story because I always do this right. I have plenty of ones, like I said, where I've messed it up. But I share it because the Bible says the wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. So friends, let's pray for one another. Let's take our thoughts and our words captive and start practicing disciplining our words. Let's go to one another in our conflicts and let's listen to where the Spirit is calling to give us maybe a holy critique or maybe to just not say anything. It's not that time, right? Let's speak life over one another and not death over one another. And if we do this, if we do this, church, church, Pine Lake Covenant, this will not look normal to the world, right? This is not gonna, this is gonna look revolutionary. This will look radical if we start treating one another this way. If when somebody comes up to us to complain about another person, we say, you know, I don't do that. I'm sorry. You, did you, you should go to that person. Talk to them. 
I love you and I love them. Whoa, right? How radical would that look to the world? So I think God is, God is doing some amazing things here. We're going to have a bap- some baptisms next, right? God's doing some, having Adi here and Lavi. Love you. Um, God's doing some amazing things here at Pine Lake Covenant. We sang a song there. It said, we will know, they will know we are Christians by our love. But I don't, I don't think that's really true very often in the world. I don't think they know we're Christians by our love. Usually they know we're Christians by how loud we yell. They know we're Christians by what we believe. They know we're Christians by who we exclude. I want them to know Pine Lake Covenant by who we love, by how we love one another. Amen? Amen. I want to be a part of that. I know you do too. So let's do this together. Let's commit to this together. Let's build this place and build each other up. Amen. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for this word from your servant Paul. Lord, thank you for the way that you still continue to use your word to shape us and form us into your people, into your community, God. God, I pray that we would not partner with that spirit of criticism with one another, Lord, but we would partner with your Holy Spirit and what you have for us and each other. God, thank you for the transformation, for everything you're doing in this place through Pine Lake Covenant, God. We give you this service, our hearts, our words. And we say, God, use them to build your kingdom here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor Kyle, for that good, challenging, and life-giving word this morning, leading us into the life-giving waters of baptism. Um, Today, friends, Grace and Samuel present themselves to the church for the sacrament of holy baptism. We rejoice in God's promises for those taking this significant step, for you both taking this significant step. And we rejoice in the evident faith of your parents and your family who have a firm hope and love in Jesus, raising their kids in Jesus. Yes. We thank God for rejoice for the community that continues to disciple and walk with you. Um, Grace and Samuel, we are so proud of you. We are so thankful for this beautiful day where you are making this public statement. Um, you are, you are, Samuel, a son of the king. And you are, Grace, a daughter of the king. Friends, today we claim um, the promises of the new covenant of baptism, rejoicing that our Savior, Jesus Christ, instituted baptism as a visible sign of his invisible grace, as a visible sign of his covenant making with us. Um, It's also a bonding in the water with our brothers and sisters in Christ. It represents our solidarity with those with whom God is in solidarity with and our commissioning in Jesus' name. Thank God for the water of baptism as it cleanses us and renews us and restores us. And by it in the Holy Spirit, we have a, there's a joyful obedience that is being made this day in Jesus. And so we are bringing into um, God's fellowship, Samuel and Grace, through faith and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So Samuel and Grace have prepared a video for us and we would like to see um, what you would like to say to us about this special day. My name is Grace Dini and I am 11 years old. My family and I moved from Dubai to Seattle prior to COVID lockdown three years ago. My journey knowing Christ started when I was born because I was born into the Christian family and I continue to practice the Christian faith. God is my Heavenly Father 
He's my physician, and most of all, he's my friend. But something I most appreciate God is for being my healer. Knowing my health says he's the reason I'm here today and not in the hospital. As I remember growing up in Africa where I spent days in hospital. Being sick, however, just continued to be Jehovah Raphael to me, which means my healer. This testimony and experience makes me depend on him as my father and sustainer. I follow Jesus because I experienced his healing virtues in my life, as where would I be without him? Baptism is a way that I can ensure to practice the Christian faith. For the Bible says we must be born of spirit and water, and I thank God for this opportunity to be baptized today. Hello, my name is Tamara Aldini. I am 12 years old. I was born in the Christian faith. God's been faithful and helpful to me all through my years. Two years ago, I had an awful bike accident where I broke my wrist and I had to get a cast. Even my helmet cracked, but I felt that God was with me. The cast lasted several weeks, but during the time, I wondered if my hand would be healed and remain the same. When the cast was removed, my hand was back in shape. Through the trauma, I felt that God was with me because there were minimal scratches on me. And I give thanks to God. I want to be baptized because that's God's commandments. It helps me free from sin closer to God and helps me rise in Christ to live in righteousness. Thank you. Thank you so much for preparing those videos of your testimony and sharing that with us. That was so beautiful. We are so grateful. Are you ready now to take your baptismal vows? Okay. I'm going to ask Samuel and Grace a few questions. And then Austin will talk to you. I'll give him a microphone. All right. <laughs> um, Grace and Samuel, do you now desire to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? If yes, respond, I do. I do. Proclaiming this covenant with Jesus Christ, do you renounce all the powers of evil and declare your opposition to a way of life that is in contradiction to the gospel? If yes, say, I do. I, I do. do. Do you repent of your sins, confessing Christ as your Savior and Lord, and living as his faithful disciples? If so, say, I do. I do. And empowered by the Holy Spirit, will you do all in your power to participate fully in the life of this congregation, to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with your God? If yes, respond with, I will, with God's help. I will, with God's help. Friends, we say this is a communal act. This is not just um, for Sam and for Grace. We say that this is uh, the beginning and the continuation of our journey with them. To love them, to care for them, but to also disciple them. And so if you will join me in your response and your commitment uh, that matches theirs with Christ, would you say this? Would you, would you respond? Church, we, will you uphold the privilege and responsibility of discipling Samuel and Grace in prayer and action as they continue in their walk with Jesus as members of this community. If this is your response, say, we will with God's help. We will with God's help. Would you pray with me? Father, we um, are asking that the Spirit would hover over these waters, that you create... Um, beauty life that is already evident in Samuel and Grace but God this will be a time when it marks them 
that you are with them, that you love them, that you will never leave them nor forsake them. And they will move to this moment as a marker for the world to hear, for their friends, for their family, for their neighbors, that you are the light of their life. You are the way, the truth, and the life. So God, go before them, go behind them, go above them, below them, beside them, and go within them. We ask this in your name. Amen. invite you to sing with us as we celebrate these baptisms together. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare, nor our living hope, God. Your presence, Lord. Presence is here in this place, and I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves. When my heart becomes free and my shame is undone, oh yes, in Your presence, Lord, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. 
singing for just a little bit. Let's sing, let's sing praise to our Lord. Let's sing love. Love so undeniable. I, I can hardly speak and peace so unexplainable. I, I can hardly think as you call me. Yes, God. Deeper still as you call me. Yeah, deeper still as you call me. 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 Love, your good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are, yes, God. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Declare this together. You're the Father. It's who you are, yes, yeah, who you are. 